Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is from the reading that we had of Jesus' ascension into heaven. Well, Sven took his family out for dinner to a nice restaurant. And it's not surprising that Sven Jr., who likes fish, ordered the, the restaurant special, the catch of the day. And so they waited for their dinner, and they waited. It was taking quite a while. Finally, they bring out the dinners, but they bring all but Sven Jr. So everybody got the dinner, and they're sitting there, Sven's still waiting. And finally, the waitress says, well, your catch of the day should be here soon. To which Sven Jr. replied, could you tell me what kind of bait you're using? <laughs> Sven was getting tired of waiting. And how many of us are like that? Do you like to wait? How many of us like to wait? I bring this up because today is a reminder that we are waiting. As I said, this is a time of transition in the church here, from the ascension of the Lord to the day of Pentecost. And even as we remember the ascension of the Lord, we are reminded that we as God's people are waiting. We're waiting for the Lord to return. Well, the disciples were waiting. They, they were waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit for the day of Pentecost. And so what we're going to do today is look at how well the disciples waited, to be reminded how well we wait, because there certainly are some parallels there. But in the end, we're going to see that the answer to our waiting is to focus on the Lord that loves us and the Lord who keeps his promise. But as we come to the text today, Luke reminds us that after Jesus' resurrection, he was preparing his disciples. He's preparing his disciples for his own ascension and for that gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke puts it this way. He presented himself after his suffering for many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, so that 40 is a, is a time of preparation. We, we can think about the 40 years of, in the wilderness of the, of the Old Testament with the people of God. It's a time of waiting and a time of instruction. And the topic of instruction was the kingdom of God. That as the Lord ascends into heaven, he takes his place at the right hand of the Father, not really a location as much as a place of honor, and a place of power, that, that he begins his reign once again over the kingdom of God, over the world, and especially over the church. So Jesus is no doubt teaching them about the fact that, that he is going to reign from heaven, and they are members of the kingdom. And to speak to them of what that means and how they are to live as part of the kingdom of God. And he also tells them to wait. Wait in Jerusalem until I give you the gift that was promised. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we see the parallels, right? We are waiting. We're, we're waiting for the Lord to return. But the Lord teaches us through the scriptures about the kingdom of God. That our Lord is indeed reigning right now. That, that we are part of his kingdom. You have been made part of his kingdom by his death on the cross for you, his resurrection from the grave, by his forgiving you your sins. You belong to him. You are part of his kingdom. The scriptures tell us how we are to live in his kingdom. And we are to wait. And we are to know that one day Christ will return. And so again, as I said earlier, how are you at waiting? The disciples aren't real good at that. We see this in our text today. Right? The disciples are not good at waiting. We look at verse 6. Jesus had been teaching them about the kingdom of God. For 40 days he's been instructing them out of the kingdom of God. And what did they say in verse 6? Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? You can just see Jesus' hands in the air, frustrated that they don't get it. 
They don't understand. They're asking about the kingdom that he's talked to them about. And they're worried about something that is not their responsibility. That the Father is in control of the timing. He's got it down. He is in charge. They were diverted from what they were supposed to do, worrying about something that is not their responsibility. But there's another problem. We see it after Jesus ascends. Jesus ascends up to heaven. The disciples are looking up into the skies. And you would expect that. But, but they're staring up in the skies. seems to go extremely long. So long that the angels finally have to say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? They're distracted. Instead of going back and doing what God has told them to do, they're looking to the skies. They're not doing what they're supposed to. The message of the angel basically was, get back to work. But, but this also plays out in the books of Acts. It's, it's, it's interesting, the Lord tells them that they are going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the age, right? Yet as you read through the book of Acts, there, there's no indication, no mention of them leaving Jerusalem until after they begin to be persecuted. Again, this is another problem of waiting, but not only waiting, but waiting idly, doing nothing. But again, the problems stem from not focusing on God and his word and being easily distracted from that. But we see the parallels with us, right? Are we any better at waiting? Are we focused on the things that we need to be focused on all the time? Or do we get, begin to worry about things, worry about situations, worry about others? And how much of that we worry about is really out of our control, how often we're worried about our neighbor, our co-worker, a fellow member of the church. How often are we worried and complaining that the other one isn't doing enough? Why aren't they doing what they need to do? Why aren't they doing what I'm doing? How much of our complaint is about what they are doing and their failure to live up to our expectations for them? We also worry about things beyond our control. The weather, the market, all the things that, that we have no control over. These are things that are, again, not our responsibility. Is it your responsibility to be a monitor of the other members of the body of Christ? Is it your responsibility to be a monitor of your co-workers or your other family members? And obviously the danger there is that we're so worried about what others are doing, we're distracted from our task, the task that is given us. We are to do what God has given to us and to leave the rest in the Lord's hand. But we also have the challenge of doing nothing. As we do our work, it's easy to become discouraged, is it not? Because we don't always see the results as we're working in the kingdom of God. We don't always, so we don't always see what, what, what we want to see. We get frustrated. We don't see what the Lord, what we think should be. And sometimes, even when we do good, not only do we not see or not benefit by it, we're almost punished for it. Because the world rejects it. It's again easy for us to be discouraged. But are these problems not the very same that the disciples have? That, that we lose focus on what our Lord calls upon us to do? The activity that he gives us? And so we need to turn back to the Lord. To, to see what the Lord tells us to do. It was that way for the disciples. The disciples need to focus on the instructions that the Lord had given them. He had told them specifically, wait for the Holy Spirit. He says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
And then with the coming of the Holy Spirit, they were to get to work. They were not to worry about the timing of when the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Don't worry about those things that I haven't given you to worry about. Don't worry about those things that are not your responsibility. They are to trust his promise. Trust his promise that the Holy Spirit is coming. Trust the message of the angels that he is coming back. They, they are to focus on his trust and promise because in his trust, by trusting his promise, they are set free to be at work. And their job was simple, to be a witness. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what's the job of a witness? The job of a witness is to tell what you know. They were to tell what the Lord had instructed them. They were to tell of what God had done and accomplished. They are to tell of the Lord who suffered, died, and rose. They are to tell of the forgiveness that the Lord offers to all who believe. And they are to tell what they saw as witnesses to the miracles that Jesus did, the demonstration that he had power over the world and over sin and over Satan itself. They were to share what they were instructed and what they saw so that the full message of the gospel would be proclaimed. And they were to get to work. The message of the angel was, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. And there is a reminder there in the message of the angel. God keeps his promises. God said that Jesus would suffer, die, and rise, and he did. Now God says he's going to return, and he will. And while you wait for his return, get to work and to be ready for his return by being witnesses and ready others for his return by witnessing to them the love of Christ. And so Jesus has instructions for us. As we are waiting for that Lord to return, we are to be witnesses. Sometimes we think that's a little bit more, much, too much for us. But again, remember what a witness is. A witness is just simply to sell, tell what they know and what they see. You have been taught. You've been taught by God. Through his church, through his word, you've been taught of the love the Lord has for you and for all people. You've been taught about the need for a Savior because you and all people are sinners. You've been taught that Christ died for you and rose for you. You've been taught these things of the Scriptures. These are the things that the Lord wants you to share. Share what you've been taught. Share what you know. Share what you confess, like from the creed of a God who loves us, who created us, a God who loves us and, and bought us back, a God who makes us holy out of his love for us. And then also share what Christ has done for you. Things that he's done for you today. He's announced to you today that, that you are forgiven. You heard that word, no matter what your sin was, it's been taken care of, it's been forgiven, it's dealt with all ultimately. And also, the Lord loves you, that he joined himself to you in your baptism, that, that he belong, you belong to him. And share what you receive. That, that as you gather around the word, that, that Christ is present. And indeed, he's present today in the sacrament. He's present in the bread and the wine with his body and his blood to bring you forgiveness. Share the fullness of what you've been taught and what you see in Christ. The Lord simply asks you to be faithful in that witness. And as you do this, you are to be focused. Recognize that the Lord has ascended so that he can take his place to reign as king over all creation, the king of the church, king of your life, but not only as a king to reign, but a king to look after you. That, that you're not alone. 
that he's there for you, guarding and protecting you. And, and pray. Our Lord tells us to pray for his return because we know what it is that he's bringing back. To pray for ourselves and for our neighbors that God in his reign and his watching over us would provide for the needs of ourselves and those around us. And in the midst of us, continue to love. Love as you have been loved. Take the love that you have received, the forgiveness that is yours, and share it. Share it with the people of your family and your community and wherever you go. Again, we are to wait. And as I said at the beginning, not many of us like to wait, but there is sometimes an excitement in waiting, right? We can think about it this time of year. Uh, some are graduating today even, right? You, you wait for that, but you wait with excitement and joy for it. A couple weeks ago, we had confirmation. They were waiting, waiting with joy and excitement. The, today's, our, this time of year is now a time that we think about weddings. People wait in anticipation. And we go on and on with all those wonderful things that God has for us in our life and how joyful and exciting it is to wait for those. Well, isn't the return of Christ in that same vein? That our waiting is not dread. Our waiting is excitement. Our waiting is joy because we know the fullness of what Christ is bringing us. That, that we've seen already his love and his forgiveness, his peace and his joy. But when he comes back, he brings it to in its fullness. And it's not only for a moment, it's for its eternity. How could we not be excited? How could we not be joyful? How could we not look forward to his return? Because we're focused on him and the love that he has for us. A love that he has for us now and a love that he has for us eternally. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.